Welcome to the Education Marketing Leader Podcast with Chris Raposo. If you're looking to dive into the latest industry insights, draw inspiration from education success stories, or just want to sharpen your marketing skills, you're in the right place. Here, we bring you a diverse range of voices from experts and leaders in the field, offering you a unique blend of professional development and practical strategies. Whether you want to understand your audience better, stay updated with the latest tech trends in marketing, or expand your professional network, we've got you covered. So while you're driving on your morning commute or winding down after a busy day, let's explore the dynamic world of education marketing together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Education Marketing Leader with Chris Raposo. I am your host, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Sean Beasley, Director of Marketing, Strategic Communications, and External Relations from the College of Business at Missouri State University. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. I followed you for the past couple of years, and I'm excited to finally join. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thanks for being a part of it. I've been following you too. So, you know, after seeing all your efforts uh, with, with your college, I was like, this guy seems like the right fit for this podcast and for the audience. So just a little bit of introductions about you so people get to know you a little better uh, and get comfortable with you. So after doing some research, you also have a PR degree like I do, but you have yours from Drury. And then you went on to get a master's in management and leadership from Western Governance. But you've also worked in... Um, in, before you went to higher ed, you worked in healthcare comms uh, until you made a switch to higher ed in 2021. So tell us a little bit about your journey and why you ultimately decided to get into higher education. Absolutely. So I started my career about 11 years ago in journalism. So I worked at our local NBC affiliate here in Springfield, Missouri. And then I also interned at Today Show and CNBC. So I like to think that that experience has helped me uh, or has helped prepare me to develop these different campaigns, learning how to communicate with people um, and knowing what people want to see, right? That, that's what marketing is. So from there, I went to um, the health department in Springfield, Missouri during COVID, which every minute of every single day was crisis communication really wish, I really hope we don't go back to that time anytime soon or ever for that matter. And then it was kind of funny. So during a mass vaccination clinic that uh, I was part of, I helped organize that, the communication efforts for that. Uh, it, it was actually held here at Missouri State University. And I partnered with the Director of Strategic Communication, Andrea Mostyn, who many of you probably have heard of or know. And she told me about this opportunity in the College of Business uh, for the Director of Marketing position. And I will say higher ed uh, was never really on my radar until she brought it up. And I would be lying if I said the two weeks off at Christmas and during the holidays was not appealing to me. Uh, and I was like, you know what, why not? Let's let's try it. And eventually I came on board and I love it more than I ever thought I would. That's awesome. That's a great story. And I always hear that from several of my uh, guests that they didn't find higher ed, higher ed found them. So it seems like that's what happened to you as well. And yeah, kudos to you for uh, working hard during that that crisis during COVID. So bravo. And uh, looks like you've been rewarded for those efforts and you've been elevated to a new level. So congratulations. But the first time I heard about you, and it's given a little bit of background about that, is during uh, 
a high ed web presentation in 2022 when you had a presentation about cutting through the clutter and how to create more accessible content. And after listening to that conversation or to that presentation, I immediately connected with you on LinkedIn because the message connected with me. And so we've been uh, connections ever since, but you're also super into personalization and personalizing messages, especially in email. So let's focus today's episode on a little bit about the personalization and the power of it. So could you share some insights on why personalization is becoming increasingly, you know, vital in marketing strategies and, you know, especially when you're trying to aim for prospective students. You know, absolutely, Chris. And this is a great point I think all higher ed marketers really need to focus on is that personalization component. There is increased competition, number one, among all universities. Our numbers are slowly going up across the board, but they are way down compared to uh, the pre-COVID years. So um, there are or there's more competition for fewer students. So the more that you can personalize your content, the better, because when I go out to college fairs and I meet students and students come here at the College of Business to tour our facilities, uh, one of the big things they tell me is, you know, Missouri State's personal touch is what brought me here. Mm. You know, I mean, you go to these larger universities, I'm not going to pick on any, um, and I don't fault them at all because they're huge. They have so many students to work with, uh, with probably very few staff. Um, but, you know, the the more time and the more effort you put into personalized communication, the better off you will be because that is something that's unique. Not a lot of people are personalizing emails. Um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I am in the college of business specifically, not the entire university as a whole. So uh, I I do have that advantage as opposed to possibly somebody working um, in a communications position at the university wide level. So I will say my situation is a little unique because I focus on 5,000 business students as opposed to 26,000 students as most larger university communication professionals do. So, um, you know, think about when someone writes a personalized email to you. Uh, I get many sales pitches every day, every day as we all do via email. And although I really haven't taken action necessarily on any of those emails, uh, just because we get so many and a lot of them, honestly, um, you know, they're great, but we it doesn't fit our needs right now. But I will still open those. I will still communicate with the person who sends me those emails. Um, and I respond to emails that are personalized. And, you know, I think it's, you know, so so put yourself in the shoes of a student. Think of how you respond to emails. Subject headings, you know, are extremely important, especially, um, you know, whenever I see my name, for instance, in a, in a subject, I will click on it and I'll be like, oh, they took time to put my name in the subject line. Even though in reality, we know that's not the case. It's an automation tool, but it still seems like it's personalized. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's a great way to kind of analyze how you are currently doing things based on how you respond to emails. And then also just that enhanced relationship building, you know, recruitment is all about building those relationships and making students and parents feel more at ease. 
nobody is going to resonate with a big email blast um, of, you know, like traditional marketing emails. You know, we had, uh, I would say a couple of years ago when I hopped on board, we were working with a, uh, a third party company for advertising and we were distributing emails to 50,000 students every single year. And they weren't personalized at all. And so I took the approach to kind of, you know, um, mix that and instead communicate or uh, develop our own email marketing campaigns that are very, um, you know, uh, that, that really hit on those uh, other populations that, um, you know, probably don't get represented as much like those rural students, students who, um, you know, are diverse, who don't have much access to higher education possibly because they're first generation students. So those one-on-one -on -one relationships you can build via email, in person, um, even traditional methods like prints, those are so crucial um, in this day of age. Yeah, for sure. You said a couple of things that were st stood out to me. Um, the um, reading your first name, right? There, there's just something in us when we read our first name that sparks something, even though you you just admitted you realized it is an automation tool and it's the person that really didn't take the time to put your first name in there. But still, if you see your first name, you're like, oh, okay, I like that. You know, maybe I'll give it a second look. Um, and then also what you mentioned about the personalization for really finding the need and honing in on the on the issues for example a rural student faces right you can't compare them with somebody who lives in uh, in a big city for example right it's going to be a different approach there and if you just pump out an email to 50,000 people you know that that you're going to have a lot of unsubscribes a lot of bounces because it just doesn't resonate um with that but there's also this component of our teams are shrinking and this is a heavy lift to um, segment these audiences initially. So it may be for somebody who has a task list of having to put out fires left and right, and then they have to send out an email campaign. They may just send it to everybody, spray and pray and hope that somebody's going to just go ahead and, um, you know, sign up or request more information about the particular topic, but there's obviously not the approach that people should take. So, can you give me an example of how uh, personalization in marketing messages has impacted decision-making processes for prospective student when choosing a college like Missouri State? Is there one that, that particularly stands out to you that you were involved in where you said, hey, this really um, drove home a point and it touched a nerve with somebody? Yeah, absolutely. So at Missouri State, we hear all the time that students choose us, not just the College of Business, right, but Missouri State as a whole. Um, because we are the most responsive university. Uh, we respond to emails. We take that time to, you know, drop everything to help a student. Is that realistic for a lot of universities? Probably not, you know, so I'm not faulting anybody who doesn't do that, but I would really stress to anybody watching this is if you currently don't have a strategy for personalized communication, um, it pays off more than any other marketing tool that we've used, right? And then, you know, this not only goes for email, but it goes for, um, I'll talk about this a little bit later too, but we actually write welcome cards um, to prospective students who, or not prospective students, but students who apply to the call to business. We 
end up, you know, writing thank you or uh, welcome cards. And then we insert a little uh, little sheets in that card, a little note card, a uh, smaller note card that says, welcome to the college of business. We're so happy to have you share your um, hashtag biz bear spirit uh, with a free t-shirt. And so they'll scan a QR code and then they'll get a free t-shirt delivered to them. And we do that obviously because we are very appreciative of our students who apply to Missouri State, but it's a marketing tool. So we do invest in high quality t-shirts for that because we know that these students will wear t-shirts if, if they are comfy and it is free advertising for yeah. us because that's going to spark conversations at school saying, oh, you've got a minute to Missouri State called the business. So, um, you know, we don't just send them a t-shirt automatically when they apply. They have to receive our welcome note first. So they're forced to open it and read it and then they get the t-shirt. And it's worked really well for us so far. Um, and I think that if you have the time, have the capacity, especially if you have graduate assistants and student workers like we do, uh, we leverage their talents and, um, you know, stuffing and packing and uh, mailing these cards because we cannot do it alone. So uh, you really have to think about how you can best utilize um, your student staff, whether it is whether they are GAs or they are student workers as yeah. well. So, um, and then for instance, I, you know, just being responsive. And if I don't know the answer to something, I will shoot an email to somebody who does know the answer. And if they don't follow up in a day or two, I will follow back up with that person. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Because again, I've seen it pay off tremendously that personalization. And I was a first-gen student as well. So I understand how challenging and difficult and really tricky it is to navigate the college uh, application process, especially when FAFSA uh, throws us um, for a loop and decides to change mm. this year. You know, so there's even more stress on parents and students to, you know, get the materials in on time. So we just want to be that resource for people to be like, hey, you know, we're here to help. And that's that that is our focus. And the faculty here, that is their focus as well. Yeah. A couple of things you said here that were stood out to me very important that first of all, you 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 kind of provide a concierge service, personalized service to these people. Um when you when they ask you specific questions individually, the worst thing you can do is ghost someone, in my opinion, if you don't know. And then you you even go a step further. You allocate a question that you can't answer to somebody else, and then you you make sure that they're answering. And if they're not answering, you follow up again to make sure that communication is two ways, right, between um, institution and the student body. Got to give a personal example here. I went to two schools, right? I went to a, a community college first, two years, got my AA, and then I went to a four-year school, major four-year school. I communicate via social media, um, tagging and that sort of stuff. One school, the community college, constantly engages with my posts. The other school, four-year school, major university, never interacts with my posts. Guess who I am leaning towards and have a more favorable look towards is the one that communicates with me, the community college, even though it doesn't have the same value when you say, hey, I graduated from the University of Florida compared to the Hillsborough Community College, but now all of a sudden I'm all in on HCC because they're reciprocating what I give to them, right? 
and I'm kind of have like a, a sour taste in my mouth on the other school. They're probably super overworked, understaffed, don't have the time to respond to everybody. But personalization, in my mind, this is my universe, right? I'm like, am I not important to you? Is the is the star athlete the only important person and the regular guy is not important to you? It's just, it's just the sort of things your students think about, right? So it's very, very important to respond to them individually and give that that tailored attention, that concierge service that you're always providing. So bravo. So looming demographic enrollment, Cliff. We've talked about it for years. It's coming. Northeast, Midwest is going to hit. Be, it's going to be hit uh, uh, tremendously. Maybe not the major schools. I've talked to some people, you know, uh, those super large schools like University of Miami. They said, I, I don't know. I, I get more applications that I can handle. But then you have the smaller community colleges, right, that are struggling, the two-year schools that are struggling to keep their doors open. So, um and they are low staffed. So let's talk about some of the challenges and the opportunities that are that arise when tailoring marketing content that appeals to a diverse range of student profiles and interests. You know, you talked about that you are or were a first generation student, right? So how can you tailor content specifically for, let's say, first generation students that speaks to them? Yeah, so, you know, that, that's, I mean, I have a good example of that. So I send email blasts to first generation students. Uh, we have a list of, um, you know, we, we purchase lists and we have our inquiries, our prospects. So I send emails to students specifically who are first generation um, students. You know, they never had really exposure to college, you know, um, within their family or, you know, it's it, it's difficult for them to even somewhat grasp the concept of going to college, right? So um, we, or I should say my team and I, what we do is we, you know, I, I whether other higher education leaders agree with this or not, we, we don't use big words. We don't tell them or share our story with them. We basically, you know, it, it's like text messaging, right? So um, you have to communicate them like you're texting with them. So my email campaigns that I distribute are very short, very to the point, very personalized. Like, hey, we're so excited um, that you applied, or that you're a you know a prospect, or at least interested in Missouri State in the College of Business. How can we help you? Like, we are here to answer your questions. Um, I've seen many great responses from that email campaign, and so far that has. Um, you know, that, that this is the first year that we've done that. And we're also incorporating text messaging as well. So um, along with the email component, we're also texting our students, our, our prospective students and admitted students. And it's not me texting them. It's a student worker that I hired who's texting them uh, on our CRM. We use Slate and she gets a lot of questions. So people know, in my opinion, People aren't dumb, right? They know to go to your website to learn more information. Um, they know they can find everything on your website. You don't need to put it in an email. They want to know that there is someone there that truly cares about them and mm -hmm. is there to be a resource. And so focusing on our email campaigns, you know, we we don't say like we're, we have a 95% placement rate. We have all these great job opportunities, which we do, uh, but that's not how you communicate in the first email to students. 
um, you introduce yourself and say, hey, if you want to learn more, here's a link to our website. Here's a link to a YouTube video. And if you have any questions, just let me know. And I'm very transparent with students too. You know, and I think transparency is key in this day of age as well. Like you said at the beginning, you know, with the emailing and your text messaging style, not being too upfront. A friend of mine always says, don't ask them to marry you on the first date, you know, uh, less pressure, um, less salesy, more value addy. So that's always a, an approach that I, I like to use. And then when the time comes, you know, that they are going to make a decision and they are in the market, they'll, you'll be, you'll be top of mind because you're, you're a trusted advisor on their side who was there for weeks or months, who's been there, guide them along the journey and help them understand that there is a better future for them, you know, which is higher. Exactly. Well, and again, I, I'm in a very unique scenario or case because I'm with the call to business. Let's say you have somebody um, in your university communications team who doesn't really communicate directly with students. Uh, I mean, you communicate obviously via emails, you know, target marketing, you know, items like that. But when you really think about it, it is those advisors, it is admissions who are really emailing these students back and forth consistently. So it's important for us to recognize that people within the university systems, not necessarily here at Missouri State, but other universities, you know, people are people don't understand marketing. It's not their forte and it shouldn't be right. That's why uh, they're not marketing, uh, just like why I'm not a doctor or a nurse. So. It's important to communicate the importance of that personalized communication with all individuals on campus as well, not just your marketing team, because if your marketing team is the only team and only individuals that is personalizing communication, um, it's almost a failed effort, right? Because if the university as a whole doesn't take that approach, it, it, it's, it's not going to work because there are so many other people that students communicate with. So um, luckily here at Missouri State, that is our kind of, uh, you know, uh, mission is to help students to provide that one-on-one -on -one attention. So it's ingrained in everybody's mind that, yes, we do respond to students. We drop everything for our students. Um, yeah. But if it's not like that at your university, I would highly encourage you to meet with your supervisor, meet with um, your leadership team. And just, you know, harp on the fact that it's a, it takes a, a university-wide effort. It takes a whole university to, um, you know, make this, make this personalized communication mm -hmm. successful. Yep. Let's talk about, uh, you know, how to balance the use of automation and personal touch in your email campaigns to ensure that each message feels individualized and relevant. So you told me that um, you use the text messaging approach and you have student workers answering these text messages but let's say there's a school let's get like so let's get let's talk about somebody who may not have the the manpower on hand do you utilize the power of ai you know that's a big thing right now ai jet bots you know is this something you would recommend or rather stay away from because people are have a trained eye to now realize well i'm actually talking to a bot so I'm going to be completely transparent with everybody. I absolutely despise AI chatbots uh, on a personal level, right? From a university employee point of view, I love them, but I never use them myself. 
I want to talk to a real person, right? Um, but, you know, we, we do have a chat about Missouri State, and it's actually been very successful for us. If students have a question about financial aid, admissions, anything, uh, they just pop up that AI chat box and it'll answer it for them. Mm -hmm. So I'm a data person. So if you can prove it to me that something's working, I'm all for it. And that has been working tremendously for us. But personally, I don't like them when I'm on a like insurance website or a company website and I want to talk to somebody, but it's AI. Um, so I think that, again, so if you're like me and don't like, you know, AI and the chat bots and using them, you have to think what other people like, and that is kind of backed up by the data, right? So um, we have seen a tremendous increase in website traffic um, because of those chatbots. Uh, our actions, of course, are extremely high, uh, higher than they have been um, in the past for that reason, because that chatbot will populate a link like saying, oh yeah, I click here to find more info about this certain topic. Yeah. And then they'll just click through our website. So um, it's great for that website engagement. Um, and if students do want to talk with somebody on a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, level, then that's an option, obviously, as well um, with us. But if you don't have a lot of staff um, at your university, the chatbots are fantastic. But I would just highly recommend um, that you still incorporate personalized communication because let's be honest everybody now is using ai chatbots so it's not really a competitive advantage that you have the competitive advantage that you have is text messaging is sending those personalized emails um answering your phone calls the thing that i get really frustrated about especially when i try to contact businesses myself is when i get told i don't know i don't have the answer i'm going to transfer you to somebody and it goes to voicemail, right? So try to avoid that at all costs if you can. Um, I would much rather have somebody over the phone tell me like, hey, I don't have the answer. Let me take down your name and number. I'll get back with you. Yeah. I would much rather do that than leave a message on a random voicemail. Yeah. So just, again, just those little things that irritate you in your everyday life also likely irritate students. So don't do something and don't act on something that you know you wouldn't like because uh, most likely a student won't be receptive to that. That's right. Especially now that uh, communication gets commoditized, that personal human approach is going to be the key differentiator in the near future. One thing you mentioned about the chatbots that I wanted to mention as well is that it depends on where the person is, right? I mean, I'm a millennial. I like to get my business done between nine to five and call these people. But if you have a Gen, uh, Gen Z or then in a couple of years, Gen Alpha, they may be in their bed at 11 p.m. searching a university website and they want answers to certain questions. And then that's when the chat bot is beneficial because you don't have anybody in the office around that time. Um, but maybe notify that this particular person chatted with a chat bot and then follow up the next day with the with the human uh, approach there. Um, as we bring the episode to a close, um, are there any innovative personalization techniques or tools that you've experienced with recently um, that had a favorable outcome? Absolutely. So 
we're all marketers, right? Uh, so I don't know <laughs> how well versed some marketers are in Excel um, and doing mail merges. I will tell you, I was not well versed in that when I started at the university. I had to learn it. And YouTube was my best friend. Um, but the most successful campaigns that work for me, uh, again, are those personalized emails. You know, you put their name like, hello, Chris. You know, my name is Sean with Missouri State University. It's called The Business. Introduce yourself. Say that you're a resource to help. Um, and then also, if you are uh, wanting more information from your students or you want them to take an action, that CTR button is incredibly important. And it's not even a button, I guess it's more of a link, mm -hmm. but put that up in the top, right? We don't want to put that at the very bottom or make the same font size as others because people aren't going to see it. Um, you know, I went to a conference in Buffalo, New York, I had, well, you know, back in October of this year or last year, and that was a whole session. And I didn't think of that until um, the presenter mentioned it um, because email marketing, all the emails that we get from corporations, uh, the call to action most likely is always going to be at the bottom. So make yourself stand out by putting your CTA yes. at the very top. It may not work well in terms of flow, but I learned that does not matter because nobody cares about flow, right? They care about what your message is. And that's something I think as marketers we have to get away from is, you know, spending hours trying to figure out, you know, the best, you know, the, the wording to use, the, the how to structure um, our emails. We don't think about structuring our text messages when we send a text or even a personal email. So don't think too hard and long about it because the more you think about it, the more people are going to realize that aren't going to be receptive because they know it's a actual campaign, um, not a personalized email. And one thing I do want to mention as well is I have uh, sent you know many emails through constant contact, through MailChimp, and through our CRM slate, but I've also sent many emails through my personal account using that mail merge. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, from what I've seen, has the best response rate because number one, it's not coming from a generic email. It's coming from a person's email address and it's an email, right? With no pictures, very short to the point, And it just reads like you're talking to the yeah. person. It's not, a, it's not a true marketing email, even though it is. Like that's the whole point of, you know, of personalized email communication is marketing, but it doesn't feel like a marketing that's right. We're we're uh, we have our Cascade User Conference coming up in a couple of weeks, and I have a list of attendees from last year, and I um I literally I took a couple of names that attended last year, and I just out of my own email box, I said, hey, um, I want to personally invite you. I know you were at the conference last year. We've got the conference coming up again this year. We have a great lineup. Um, would love to welcome you back. Here's a link, you know, real quick and short and sweet. And I got some signups from just that personalized email campaign from my Gmail uh, account. Other thing, last week I took a email workshop at Day Kibbles. She put it on. She's pretty known in the higher industries for giving talks, and she's writing a book on email marketing. And she said the same thing with having the having a call to action button at the top, because literally people they look at the email two seconds, they figure out where is it, 
and people are drawn to these uh, buttons. So don't say click here or register here. Actually put a little bit of a description of what to what to do or what, what's to expect when you click on that button. And uh, I thought that was that was pretty smart. And I'm keeping it short too, uh, and keeping it to the F pattern, right? The people do the top and then top left, they read the first line and then they only read the stuff that's on the left side. Um, and they do it really quickly and skim it. And there's so much effort we put into these emails and nobody reads them, right? It's horrible, it's terrible. So absolutely, absolutely. And there, there's a there's a science behind emails. And if you want to learn more about how to structure those emails, definitely attend as many professional development conferences as you can, because I guarantee you there's going to be a session about uh, about emails, how to write emails and personalize your digital marketing campaigns. And I will tell you of all the professional development conferences I've been to, I've learned something new that I've been able to bring back to my office and we implement it to this day. So they're very worth the time, they're worth the money, uh, budgets are tight. I know across universities, but you have to spend money to make money, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that that's business, we're a business, you know, we're nonprofit, we're funded partially by taxpayer money, but we're also funded with student tuition. And, um, you know, the big thing about us is we want students, we want to continue to have that revenue because we want to continue to grow our programs for future students, right? We're not money hungry by any means. We're just, you know, we need those funds to continue to do what we do. So hope when a marketing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's say somebody uh, shows up at the airport on their way to Hyatt Web. They see Sean Beasley. They have two minutes to talk to you. What's one piece of advice you would give them um, if they're looking to create a more personalized messaging in 2024? Absolutely. So one size doesn't fit all, right? So some students may be very responsive to digital communication. Others may be more traditional and respond better to postcards or letters. So you have to take a 360 approach and really utilize all of your assets. So use digital, use uh, print, use, uh, you know, um, we don't use TV or radio, but you could do that as well um, because people receive messages in different ways. And again, it's just reinforcing that message to a certain group of audiences that, you know, if they receive your email, great. But if they also receive a postcard on top of that, they're going to be like, oh, wow, this is this is new. This is something cool and exciting. Um, you know, same thing with maybe a targeted, uh, yeah, digital ad. Um, on social media or, you know, elsewhere on the web. So it's really important to not just focus on one thing, but also make sure that your marketing campaigns do incorporate traditional methods of marketing as well. Because think about it, we're not only marketing to the students, but we're also marketing to the parents, the teachers, the counselors, and you know, even though the students may be more apt to better respond to the digital campaigns, the videos, the TikToks, teachers, parents are still going to be more receptive, most likely, um, if you send a postcard or a personalized letter as opposed to a personalized email. So just some things to think about, um, you know, do a lot of A-B testing. That's what I would say. See what works, what doesn't work. And uh, if it doesn't work, the worst that can happen is, 
uh, you lose a couple hundred bucks, maybe a couple thousand, you learn from it and, you know, to, you know, ultimately decide not to do that campaign anymore or do that one thing anymore. So um, luckily I have a very supportive dean in the call to business who pretty much lets me take the reins and figure things out, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, uh, you know, letters and postage I know are uh, more expensive than ever before, but I'm telling you, it, it, it pays off tremendously. So if you have a budget to do any of those, you know, postcards, uh, letters, I would highly recommend doing that. Email marketing, for the most part, is free. Uh, university just has to pay our salaries, but we don't pay postage or uh, we don't pay for envelopes or paper. But please at least try. And if you don't want to maybe, you know, send a bulk mailing to 20,000 students, maybe start with 100 or 150 um, to see where that gets you, you know, and just do some testing with it. Absolutely. That's that's wonderful advice. Sean, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and talk more about personalization or email marketing, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Absolutely. So the best way is going to be on LinkedIn. Uh, since you are watching this podcast, most likely you are connected with Chris on LinkedIn. Um, so just uh, search my name, Sean Beasley. Uh, hopefully my name will pop up since we do have a mutual connection uh, with Chris. So uh, yeah, just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to talk. Email, uh, I would give you my email address as well, but I'm going to be honest, uh, LinkedIn's going to be the best option because I get so many emails a day. So uh, yeah, let, let's stick with LinkedIn. Awesome. I will tag you in the recap so people can find you easily there. So Sean, thank you so much for this wonderful episode. It's great communication. It's great um, conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the show today. If you enjoyed it, don't keep it to yourself. Share with your friends in your network. And if you have a moment, I would really appreciate a review of the podcast. That'll help other people find the show as well. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. when I release another episode. Take care now. Have a good one, friends.